kind of gray. Uh, I have a question. Do you have resistance that I leave at five to nine? Anyone? I have another meeting to go, and this is my first time here, and I really wanted to be here and taste the space. Thanks for checking. We have different rules of engagement here where that consideration is irrelevant in this particular space. Right. Okay. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but we have a tradition. It's when it's yes. your first time on the call, you have to speak first. And the question is, okay. uh, what are you doing here? Ah, oh, well, what am I doing here? I've long meant to come to this space and have let myself be held back by emotional fear of being in groups with people I don't know. And recently, very recently, I got a book and I started to read. <laughs> and, oh, all my body started to say, oh, yes, I want more, I want more. And, and yes, and I don't want to be alone. And I do want to be in groups. And I feel the sadness of being here because... Yeah, I'm sick and tired of doing things on my own and being alone. So, yes, I'm here now. And, yes, I had another meeting planned, but I didn't want to stop myself from being here and trying it out. So, hi. <laughs> my name is Eugenia. Welcome. Hi, Eugenia. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I just want to reflect... Uh, my own experience and many other people about the journey that we're on here for a couple of years already is similar that, you know, it's pretty wow stuff and it's, it's not a thing you want to do alone. It doesn't really work alone. So many of the people already here on the screen have been part of this team since the very beginning for years because we're, we don't do it alone. So I just wanted to confirm that what you're experiencing is similar to what many of us also experience. Mm. I'm glad to hear that. I was going to say, hello, Sydney. Hello. I, I think it's also your first time on, on this call. Yes. So you probably missed just the introduction I gave to you, Josina, that we have this tradition that when it's your first time on the call, you invited to speak kind of in the beginning to say, what are you doing here? What are you researching? What do you need? Yes. What am I doing here? <laughs> I love that question. I am, I'm just, I'm here to explore and to learn from this space. I've been hearing about, the legends and how amazing the space is. I've actually also listened to a couple of the recordings and have been enjoying them. And I want to meet and Chloe, you, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person soon and wanted to be with you in this space. And Clinton, I'm looking forward to meeting you as well and wanted to come into this space and meet you here. So that is also what I'm doing is the the desire to meet you both and be in a learning space with you. And 
Yes, I have the book and I haven't started reading it yet because I'm reading the Directing the Power of Conscious Feeling right now. And I'm really enjoying that one. And I'm also not even sure if this space is specifically about that book, the building love that lasts, or if it's kind of a space of what needs where this what's alive and and not like directly related to that book. But I am really excited to dive into that book. And I'm hoping that there's some time and space that we talk about that and practice some things together or yeah, create space for that because I've just dabbled through it and opened it and I'm very intrigued by it. Thank you. Thank you. One side note is I really encourage you to switch over to the conscious feelings book rather than directing the power of conscious feelings book. Cause after 10 years of, of, of publishing the first book, we got a chance to, uh, re to edit it and include 10 years more of research and so the book titled conscious feelings that has an identical cover except for the words is far more uh accurate far more more treasure in it more it's really an updated version seriously updated so i encourage you to shift to that okay thank you cool i have a proposal for phyllis and would invite you to share because You've been helping us get the recordings online with the experiments, but haven't been in the online group for such a long time. What's been happening with you? Uh, Okay, well, uh, so I had some fear coming back. And as I told Aunt Chloe when she mentioned it would be at 11 today, and the fear I realized was about not belonging anymore. <laughs> like when I left, I knew everybody, you know, and there was a belonging, a sense of belonging. It was that was part of it. And then I see here there's two new people. It's not about belonging. It's a whole different group because I've been watching who who attends. And yeah, there's a few people here, but and so and then the other fear was an old emotion that was about not doing it good enough, that kind of thing. And so so then I vowed, I said, well, I'm just gonna come to this space and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're gonna love this one because I've been cleaning out old stuff. <laughs> you know, like I I save old letters and all kinds of things, you know, that have some meaning to me. And so I'm going through some stuff this morning. <laughs> And I come across this just little piece of paper that I wrote notes on for from possibility management. And the last one said is about the ecstasy of hiding and being right. The person they see is the best of me. <laughs> and I went, oh, shit, I have to say something. <laughs> so anyhow, it's just I I. Got some amusement out of it, and I enjoy laughing, and it felt good to laugh, too. So I had some some joy about it, too. Uh, and so without getting into detail, I will just say that um, my life has slowed down a lot. And and it's Eco who has slowed my life down. <laughs> uh, 
uh, and and then this really good friend of mine, who's also my yoga teacher and an astrologer, was telling me that this is the time right now that if you don't slow down, you will be forced to slow down. And so that's kind of what's happened to me. And so I'm moving at a much slower pace and, and uh, yeah. And I, and at first, so I've also lost part of my lifestyle that I totally identify with, which is being super physically active and in shape and all that kind of stuff. And uh, cause there's some pain involved. And so in this process of going through this, I, I have gotten beyond it some, and I'm just learning to live a different life and it's, and, in, and to enjoy it too, and to let go of kind of the old life and, you know, not that I've committed to letting go forever, <laughs> but I don't know how long this is going to be. And it's going to be a while. I know that. And so, yeah, so it has not been easy. I will just say that. And I have a lot of um, sadness about it and some fear too, and also some anger. And, and yet I, it's just the best, if eco wants it for me, then it ha- must be the best thing for me at this point. So, so that's what I'm doing. I'm slowing down and yeah, I don't have any big adventures to tell you about or, or uh, yeah, or even plans right now, you know, there's just, it's just, I'm just taking each day at a time. Thank you. Thank you, Phyllis. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I want to speak to that slowing down. Yesterday, I started feeling under the weather, like my body was, my head was just saying like, oh, I don't want to do anything. And normally, I just crash through it and go, 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 get stuff done anyway, get very frustrated. And instead... I listened. I just went to bed and I lay down and I waited for an impulse and nurtured myself in a different way. And this morning I wake up and I feel like 80% energized again. And I, I, I believe that if I had not stopped, I would not have still been embodied and grounded and centered. I do think, yeah. There's great value in slowing down. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. And great value in listening to what you were, yeah. your body was telling you. Yeah. Yeah. As we're getting ourselves woven together here, there's uh, a couple more voices to hear from, like Philip and um, Barbara. We didn't hear from you for a while. And Lisa. Hi, can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. Hey, everyone. It's good to be here. Um, I'm feeling a lot right now. And um, I've been blocked from my feelings for uh, the last 
not all of the time, but for the last um, 10 days or so, I've been struggling intensely with a crystal, with my crystal meth addiction. And I am uh, about two days removed from the poison. And um, I'm just realizing now, like, how much, how little... I've slowed down to feel and how much I've been relying on my broken brain and mind to figure out what, what the hell is going on with me. And I'm just so, so grateful to be in a space where it's okay to feel and where it's encouraged to feel and I have so much fear about not knowing where I'm going and how to overcome this addiction and uh, I Philip, you're doing. I'm also. So Will you just can you can I just check in with you, please? Please, please, yes, yes, yeah. yes. What, what city are you in? I'm in New York City. <laughs> right in the uh, Bronx, or where? Right now, I'm uh, on the Upper West Side okay. of Manhattan, not far from Bronx. Is is he there? Is uh, is he there? Oh, he's in Long Island. It's not okay. far. Okay. Um, the the next question is. <clears throat> <clears throat> from basically yeah. anything we do in here, any of these yeah. things, not not what you're up against. It's like we're all up against our thing, and we we basically yeah. do it with a team. We do it with a team. It's not a lone wolf, single fighter. None of it. it that battle never goes. It never works. And so we really need. Uh, and my question is really. Who's your team? Who's on your team? You know, at least a couple. Yeah. People. Yeah. Well, I um, I've been working with Jeff um, in the moments where I allow him to be a part of my team, and then there are these times where I slip away and um, rely on myself, and uh, but then there are also there these really incredible times that I've had of togetherness and reflection together. So Jeff, and I, Jeff is on your team. Yeah. Jeff who is else? on my team. Who else? Um, Jack, uh, Jacqueline, who isn't here right now, is also on yep. my team. Okay. Is there yeah. any, anybody else? Somebody else? Um, in the possibility management specifically world, no, no, but I have a lot of and anyway, yeah, I have a lot of people on my team. I have a lot of people on my team. I mean the world the world that I would really recommend based on yeah, you know, forty years of experience is yeah. is uh, is a twelve step somebody from the twelve step world. Yeah, I have a lot of people um in the twelve step world, thankfully, that I have on my team as well. So a lot isn't going to help you. 
it's going to help you more like this connection you have with Jeff. And it's like mm-hmm. somebody from the 12 step world, that kind of connection where it's like a couple, three times a week, maybe even four or five times a week. You're, mm-hmm. you're with them, talking to them because yes. yeah, that's going to be the way. And you, you know, yeah. I, you don't have to do the way, but if you really want a change, that's going to be the way. Oh, I'll mm-hmm. emphasize that what I, uh, my experience is that when facing into kind of any survival strategy, there are days that feel good. It was like, okay, I can do this. And in these days, it, yes. I can reach out to my team. And then the days where it feels like I'm, I cannot, I'm failing. That's the day that we don't want to reach out. And so to yeah. have, to have it independent from that, to have it mm-hmm. once a day, same time, same people over and over again so that this experience of Mm -hmm. I have to decide or it depends on my mood or it depends on how I'm doing Mm -hmm. doesn't come into account. Yes. Mm. And of all the things, that's the thing we can't really do for you in terms of arranging your team, Mm -hmm. arranging, negotiating, let's do this every day. You know, will you be on my team? You know, I mean, just like two maximum three people. That's it. It isn't like I have a bunch of friends. The high have a bunch mm. of friends thing doesn't work. It's really mm. one, two or three people on. We call it a three cell. Sometimes it's a four cell, something like that. There's a website about it. We'll shoot it out here. But it's this. It's really to have a little three cell or four cell that's in with you mm. about this for the long term. For the long term and it's it's without that we've you, there's no way to mind or your your commitment or your intention or your goodwill or none of that will has the power to mm, transcend you know transform your you enough to go to somewhere else and we, and we want you to win. we want you to win you know we want we want you so I'm going to ask Jeff to talk a little bit right now. Jeff, can you say anything? Hmm. I mean, seeing, seeing you, Philip, seeing you on this yeah. call. Seeing, yeah. Was it you that invited Philip to come here? Yes. Okay. Did you have a purpose yes. in mind? Yes, to to experience what it looks like to 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 be with a, a team or a, or a team of working on exactly what what you Philip what you said you know space to feel a space to open to to be messy that's that that's the purpose of this space for okay. me. And I interrupted you, Jeff, but I didn't, I don't need a long thing or anything special. Just was there something, I think it's what I really wanted to know what your intention was to invite Philip to this particular space. <clears throat> yeah, just that. Okay. Just that. So just for everybody's information, there's really a lot to learn uh, because we're really uneducated about anything beyond the ordinary. I mean, we're on chapter 
uh, where are we? Chapter nine in a 600 page book. We're on page 264. And the first sentence of this chapter says, probably most of the men and women you have ever met demonstrated only ordinary human behaviors. Ordinary human behaviors. And the book is distinguishing extraordinary human behaviors and beyond that archetypal human behaviors. And so we have zero, essentially zero role models, even in superhero films or whatever. There's so much, it's all contexted in the ordinary. And we have really to start over and start over and start over uh, with an orientation to something that's in addition to that, something besides that, something other, which is very, very possible for us. And yet, since there's so little guidance, like it's, uh, it's important to pay attention to what we're doing. So it's not like, you know, there's, we don't do the guru thing. We don't do the teacher thing. We don't do the handsome, holy tribal man thing. There's none of that stuff is available in this space. You know, basically, we participate in the journey that the book goes on, and we participate uh, where we are in the moment. And some people have been here since the ordinary and extraordinary parts, and some people are tuning in at the at the archetypal part where we are now, which is a leap. It's a huge leap from mainstream culture, ordinary culture. And so I just wanted to say that it's a a space of immense clarity and possibility and it's it's not a free ride because change happens and the change happens through our part, you know our participation essentially and that I mean what a gift it's really a gift to have a space where it depends on you. It depends on each of us. It's not just some teacher space or some, you know, like that. I think you really, you're, we need, we need your process in this process and it feeds everybody else's process. So. I, I will add, I think Clinton said it a few times, but the, the first and also for the people who just are joining now, one of the first, very first experiment from week one was find someone to do the experiments with. Agree. I think along the calls, there's always one, two, three experiments that I offered for the week. And I, I get to, I've just moved to uh, Brazil, Florianopolis for a month. And I'm about just 10 minutes from the woman, woman of earth bridge house. So now there are ten women together. So Lisa, Lisa Maria, Lisa Gertz is in is in that house right now. And my experience of having been with them uh, some evenings, some whole days, was one a a sense of awe of having known some of these women for a long time, like years, and to experience really the possibility of also women like the extraordinary relating of women with each other. So this book is sort of about 
men women relating and I, and I think it applies really to any kind of relating and but what I was really discovering is when we we live together so sort of when I was with them together and in this new environment of relating is it's the little things that really make a difference um and I just will take one example is this one woman who um there was a proposal for not using like not make noise in the kitchen before 8 a.m. because one woman sleep next to the kitchen and this woman just couldn't just could not handle it she could not believe that that would be a proposal in the woman's bridge house so maybe for all of us here it's like well that seems reasonable like that seems we can do that you know not use the kitchen not make noise but for her was it was just it was it was just un unconceivable and and it seems you know in that moment for me it was like god it seems such a small thing but for her if she can get through that her whole life would change her whole relating to other people would be a whole new universe of flexibility possibility love connection and we're talking about a blender before 8 a.m. in the kitchen. And so I, I'm i just um, like reminded in a way each time of, okay, living with other people, those things come up for a reason. And to not just brush them aside saying, oh, I just want to have my my kitchen and I'm just going to not live with people. I'm, not ju- I'm just going to, you know, oh, it's just for a month you know, whatever, it's just for a month. And then I, you know, the, I won't leave, live with these people anymore. So I don't have to care for it, but it's there, whether you live with people or not, it's, it's there blocking any the possibility. And so I, I just, I'm just really in love and in awe of, um, yeah, bridge houses, like living, living with other people and facing our, like, I mean, this was the invitation from Clinton. Like, what journey are we in terms of relating? What journey are we on right now? Like, what, what's the, the wall are we hitting, the ceiling or whatever? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> I wanted to add to that how it's, uh, it's not going to be uh, an enlightenment experience. You know, it's not going to be a sh- this major shift that the kind of changes that we're talking about are not just baby steps. They're almost like nano steps. It is the, the tiniest little step of making, you know, the tiniest little effort to make a tiny little change in some tiny little tone of voice or where you put your attention or, you know, how how seriously you listen to the voices in your head or, you know, how soon does it before you call somebody and say, look, uh, could you just listen to me for a second? Like how how long before you make that call? Like these kinds of changes are the ones that build matrix, the ones that build up slowly, slowly, slowly. So as long as us on this path uh, understand how this goes, you know, path goes one step at a time. It doesn't go leap, you know, doesn't it doesn't it keep, my favorite metaphor is you cannot open a door until you're at the door. You have to be at the door. You might understand the door, conceive the door, see the door, believe in the door. <laughs> you know, you've heard the door, you know, like all these doorway things. But if if you're not 
if you're not even at the door, like even if the door is open, you can't step across the door sill until you are at the door. And how do you get to the door? These baby nano steps, build a matrix, like consistent, like just do it again, try it again, keep practicing. You stay on the edge of your evolution. It's about staying on the edge of your evolution. And it's irritating at the edge. It's It can be nauseating. It can be scary. It can be <clears throat> boring. It can be all these different things at that edge. And, you, and just staying at that edge is a catalytic effect. It's a transformational effect of staying at the edge. And then, like, like at one point a while back, Mark was telling us about kind of cleaning out his space. And and he if Mark said, okay, if I just kind of approximate your story, it's, it's really simple. It's just simply <clears throat> uh, living in a room that's full of your stuff. And, I, you know, I have stuff and I live in my room full of my stuff. And it's like, okay, at what point am I going to organize my stuff, move my stuff, get rid of stuff, change my stuff, repair my stuff? Like all these things, it's just I'm staying at the edge of being in the presence of my stuff and nothing changes until, you know, I actually make a change. And it does not have to be a big change. It's like even the tiniest little thing will go, gosh, it's it's nicer when I swept the kind of spiders out from underneath my desk, you know, a, that I can sense the difference. I feel the difference. And I and then the spider comes back, you know, and I go, no, no, no. No, I liked it with no no spiders. You go find another place <laughs> to live, you know, or this, whatever the thing is, you know, whatever whatever the tiny little thing is, and that slowly builds up over time, and it it's actually the quickest way I know of to change. Having tried a bunch of different ways over my life, and other people telling me all kinds of stuff, but anyway, everybody has their own experience about that, but. In the terms of this space, that's the, that's kind of the way it goes. One tiny little baby nano step at a time. I yeah, I want to share. I just had three days at the Haven in Motueka, New Zealand, where Julia Neumann, Annika Korsten, um, Millicent Hui, and also um, Michael Bore, I think his name, were living and just being immersed especially with these three women, for me, being in their matrix, being communicating with them, I found myself on the, on the second day sitting with a group, something happened, and it took only like, I don't know, maybe 10 seconds, and I was in full feeling responding to the situation rather than holding it in like I would do at home. And and after that sort of immersion, um, I, I I felt so. I mean, my sadness is still so alive. Of wow, this is me more naturally. This is how I am. This is this is my comfort zone. And then then having arrived back yesterday, I I was I was yeah okay. I think there was big liquid state, and I was exhausted, and my whole body was detoxing or something of this new space and and the discomfort now of of noticing like oh i'm holding in i'm i'm 
oh yeah uh, and and anger frustration or fear are coming up and 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 it gives me this mm, this perspective of what's there now in this void and i get to see where i where i hold back what these patterns are and it's yeah like i feel joy having done this experiment and i want more because i'm really comfortable in the liquid state i i have so much more yeah um flexibility or agility i, I come alive and and then my impulses are not blocked so thank you thank you lisa marie are you going to say something yes i i think it's really incredible that you're talking about this today because yesterday we had a research space about edge finding at the bridge house and we've all been we had a practice space where we were going to our edges in in the um, research space and we've all been given experiments since to to do for the week so what's your mine is not i will not smile for a week every time i smile i have to pay Five reals to the bridge house so we can have. You're not going to make any jokes at all. Zero. No jokes. Especially no Polish jokes. Anything like that. Thank Thank you. Thank you. I, I connected to when you said that the edge might be boring. Because for me, I've been facing into the part of me that wants everything to be transformational and juicy and Instagrammable and, <laughs> and yes, seriously. And I'm, I lately I've spent, you know, this last month I made this decision that I would just really do nothing. And I'm, I sit in a, in Miami and I just read. You know, I, I've just been reading and being boring and sitting there noticing how much these other parts of me want to do something interesting that I can share about. And I mean, obviously, obviously you're not reading my books. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. Close. It's close. On the list. <laughs> <laughs> thank you what, why do you say that oh, no, oh I, I just heard they were not boring <laughs> <laughs> oh hold on so Jeffrey are you are you ready for us to call you Jeffrey yes yes you make a request I, I mean what okay Yes. Hello, everybody on this call and those who will listen to the recording. I I have made a new decision that I will no longer try to unburden you by speaking an extra syllable when you refer to me. And my name is Jeffrey. And I'm taking it back. Hello, Jeffrey. Hello, Jeffrey. I feel Hello, joy. Jeffrey. Hello, Jeffrey. Mm. Hello, Hello, Jeffrey. Thank you. 
the maintenance guy is saying hello also. Ellen, Barbara, Basha, Demetria. I, I want to share. Go ahead. I I want to share that I and my actual um, current edge is being with my with my son, and I was on a journey with with him, which uh, which was huge step for for me and for us, and it was I was very happy that I was. Uh, making that question, how is it in my culture? Not is not what is good for him, but how 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 I want to hold space for 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 him for my son. How what mother want, what do I want to be? And I found out that that distinction between what what is good for mother, not distinction, but. Um, putting what is good for mother in one hand on in one direction and what is good for child in another direction it is so so like so confusing my my mother ten, like told me that you are egoistic you are uh, choosing for yourself and and uh, like it is it um Yes, it is confusing. So, um, because in that first years of when the child is born and when he, it is leave, he is leaving, she is leaving. I think the most important is what is good for the relationship between child and mother, because when that is broken, it is very painful and. You're doing great, Barbara, and let your you really let your feelings speak. You don't have to choose between also your mind and and your heart or speaking in your heart. You could even start your sentence and say, "I feel a, I feel." Yes, I I feel sadness and anger at the same time. <sighs> say what each one is. What is the sadness? What is the anger? <sighs> The sadness is that... Um, or if you say, I feel sad, then it, your heart will have better chance. If you don't bite your lips, also. <sighs> you can do this. I I feel sad because of that um, disconnection with my son. Mm. And we've been on, on the journey together and they, then... He gone to his father, and I met him yesterday for a couple of hours. And he was like from another world, like he was like a ghost or something. Yeah, ghost. So it is very, like, very um, visible that he lives in different cultures, and he is different person in one with me and with his father and grandparents and and that culture with 
his father is like more more like sticky to him. It stays longer even when he's with me and um, yes. So and at the same time I don't want to be like alone mother with him. Like to and I asked my partner on that journey to to be present with my son and he 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 agreed and uh, so something new is happening between the three of us, but it's not it's, now we need something else because we are like back from the the journey and yes i i have that i know that my next step is to meet with other mothers and to to make that connections for me and for my son to be with other children and to get him from kindergarten and at the same time these are like huge huge things, huge tasks for me. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you. I just wanted to let you know that the woman who was on here, who just disappeared and hopefully will come back, Habet, what is, is it the single mother's house, has been at the single mother's house in Cap Verde, Cap Verde. And so there's room there. There's room there for single moms and kids. And it's uh, that's a different culture. It's a culture that we're being exploring it and developing it and unfolding it. And so it does not come from the capitalist patriarchal empire. And it's a hard thing to look at how your son mapping onto his father will copy, he will join the patriarchy. You know, he has joined the patriarchy. Your son has joined the patriarchy. And it is a long, hard journey through the patriarchy to get to a point where you, he might come to the edge of it and be interested to step out of the patriarchy. But it's uh, it's an almost automatic thing that a baby copying the father joins the patriarchy. It's the only choice the baby has, the boy has, just to copy the the father in the patriarchal thing. And then for a woman such as yourself to, to try to care for a patriarchal child with a patriarchal gremlin. And because the gremlin is alive and well, starting in your belly, the gremlin is alive and well, starting in your belly, and it moves into a patriarchal relationship to women. And it's already happening. So I can't think of a bigger torture than that. And so if you have the clarity, you can navigate. If you don't have the clarity, it's just going to be hard. You have to kill yourself or, you know, get cut off from the child. It's really a, not, a, not a great situation to try to be a single yes. raising a patriarchal boy. And I want to speak to that. My son has just turned 20. And he lived with his father for six years. And, and... There was a time where I thought I had lost him. I had lost the connection with him that I had. And it, it's not. It's still there. And I saw, I'm recognizing that my son had to model himself to 
my, to his father's um, culture to be able to live with him. And yet the culture that I offered my son is also still alive. And he, his sister, my daughter and I are meeting this coming weekend and we are going to have our first sharing circle. We are going to speak. I invited them both to speak about what they want to create in the relationship with one another. What kind of culture do the three of us as a nuclear family want to create? It is possible. I'm just saying this, like, keep going. The culture that you infuse, that you offer your son, will still be alive in your son, even when you do not see it. And it he, he has a choice when he becomes independent, when he can live and make his choices without being dependent on his father or on you, he will start making these these choices himself and he will have the seed you offer him. Thank you. I want to say something else also because when I was uh, sharing, I did something the, and like I share and then, okay, so these are my next steps. I have to do something and something. And it. I feel like I am like I, I am like putting it together. I know what to do. I have to do that and it will be good. And I, I am sad when I notice that because it it is blocking me more, not going like putting me forward and uh, because it is like heavy I have to I know and and do you have possibilities for me um, how yes. I can not yes and that is by when you catch that you say I have to that you stop let the I have to be a red flag to catch your attention and that you take a moment and that you you feel what do I want and then create from there and it might not be easy because it's different and it can offer you possible a different outlook thank you That's my I'd like to say too that this is a much bigger issue than just your the father. Um, this is about the patriarchy and the patriarchy is really big. It's not just about the father imposing this. And I experienced that firsthand when I lived with a three-year-old who had never been to daycare. And the first day that he went to daycare, he came home and he was a boy. He was the patriarchy. <laughs> In one day that happened. And and he continued that behavior, you know, it was like he wanted to be a boy with a whole bunch of other little boys who had probably grown up in the patriarchy. And so it's such a big issue. It's it's you know, I hope you don't just blame your husband around the or I'm sorry, your, uh, the boy's father around this. It's uh, and and just to have this awareness to help him have this awareness, too, would uh, be a way to work together on it. And I agree with uh, Josine that what you teach him, he won't forget. <laughs> you know, he'll he'll get to choose someday. Thank you. 
Thank you for this. And please, I care about my name. Please oh, say is Yozina. Josina. Yo, Yozina. Thank, Thank you. And I have something to add on in it. I I was watching this documentary two days ago, What a Way to Go, and and the the, the there was one part that that heated me in this documentary when he said that the 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 trans the, the choice between the transformation or the giving up is when you hold in one hand where you are and the other hand the potential of what is possible. And so where you are uh, in the lines of what you're saying, Phyllis, is, is, is this big, massive thing, like, and, and in a big perspective, and your small perspective, Barbara, is, is this, this, um, these relationships that you are facing and these noticings you are getting with your son and with your, with the, the, the person, the another, uh, the, the another man, and and what I yeah, what what do I want to say with that is is that the the that two hands it's happening at same time and it's not possible to fight with each each thing like to, to try to fight that your your boy is not in patriarch this is what i feel fear about like to to fight it uh, or to try to fix it and and at the same time you have the two hands within you and you're walking two hands and i think the part of building resilience in my in for myself has has been i and i feel sad about that like how to build the resilience should be and that uh, with the two, like for me to be a bridge is to to be in these two hands where I'm in reality and I'm in connection with potential. And mm, I'm complete for now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, Dorothea. Dimitra, you're going to say something. Ellen? We'll hear from you in a minute. Dimitra? Yes, um, I want to say uh, and that's for the sharing of all the women. And yeah, it happens to work in a kindergarten, uh, in a ski kindergarten school right now. Um, hmm. Yes, and I feel, I feel fear now. I feel fear that, um, yeah, how I look that I work in a kindergarten right now. And yeah, today, like, it's it's a man I work with. Uh, he's, he's the, like, it's a hierarchical uh, space, so he's above me, and like, um, and he he 
uh, he, he flirts with all the young women that work there. And I want to share, like, I had a, this process with Jordis on Friday, and, like, I was sharing my disgust, and, and then, in, like, I had the process, and I, I go back to my childhood, blah, blah. And then, in the end, she said, Dimitra, you have the possibility to go back and to connect with him with his, with your heart and with his heart. And then to tell him, this is not a space for uh, um, a flat. This is a space for children. And today, like, and I was like three days, I cannot do it. How I'm going to do it? My fear is so big with the men. Blah, blah. And then today, uh, somehow I did it. And he asked me for feedback. And I said, really, really, you want to hear my feedback? And, and I say, you know, I'm really afraid to tell you. If I say, if I say to you, I'm afraid that you're gonna fight me. Then he said he's English, so he has all this polite box, uh, box, the UK box. Yes, and so he's not. Yes, yeah. so he really was hearing me, and I said, look, uh, yeah, I said this is not a space for this. This is a space for this. Then I was like, so much fear. Uh, and then I say, okay, what do you think? And what do you feel about that? Not like this, but like with all this fear. And then he said, yeah, I have nothing to say. You were so clear. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what was the best thing? The best thing is that it didn't feel so it didn't feel so big as my head thought like when i was speaking about it it wasn't like it has i think it was uh, yeah because my box has somehow changed now because i was thinking and making stories i'm going to feel i'm going to be like this i'm going to be like this like my the old dimitra but now i wasn't like this i was like okay i'm scared i'm telling you but okay and then i was okay so, yes, this is what I wanted to share. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Celebration, Dimitra. <laughs> yes. Then, then, uh, yes, I know. Thank you. I think. <laughs> then I, I have to say more now because in my first expand the box that, um, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, the first expand the box was Ankloy. I, I was saying, sharing something about my father. I'm coming from Greece super patriarchal uh, country. And she would say, what's your father doing to you? What's your father doing to you? And I said, what is doing to you? I don't know. And it was so overwhelming until I did to really realize with all the bodies, oh, he's belittling me. And I remember this. It was so much in front of my eyes, but I couldn't have the words. I didn't even know. And today a friend, like after I came back, a friend called me from Greece and and she does she doesn't know possible management, but uh she say, uh this has happened to me, this happened to me. And then I did this. I did okay, and, and what what did he do to you? What did he do to you? Mm-hmm. I say, what did he do? And and then in the end he said, Yes, he used me. And then I said, Yes, he used you. And then uh, she said, Oh, and then she was Okay, what do you these these things you do? Wow! <laughs> now that's why that's uh, I want to share with you, and I'm happy it's eight p.m. so I can come back in the space. And before I go, okay, yes, I take space, I celebrate, and Clinton, like before you said something about 
something simple that you already said in the expand the box the first year I was there was so important about the nano steps you using you say that I remember that you saying in my uh, first expand the box how the small change the small change the small change and and yeah like the basic thank you all thank you thank you thank you for being a living proof experience experiments yeah thank you Ellen hello hello everyone hi good morning I I'm not living in it in a bridge house, but I'm living in an area where possibility management is is putting its elbows out. And I feel that in my relating to to the community that is so fast growing here. And I know there's still a bubble out there that um that has not never heard about it, but I have such a um love and and joy for for this this growing consciousness that we that we bring into this area here and thanks to Anna who has been an absolute amazing force to 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 bring this alive and keep it alive our community has been growing so much our team that we have had now for two years ongoingly every month twice a week twice a month we meet and we're meeting crossing bridges we people from all over the world come here and pollinate us and it's, it gives me goosebumps I'm just so in awe of it and and what's possible and for me myself in my relating to my husband to my son to my my home here i can i can follow intuition and and things happen and yeah this i had a conversation with yuzina just the day before or yesterday was it yesterday yeah yesterday we it was so small but it was so so life changing for us i was late she was angry we could share it and we had the most beautiful connection mm. we could feel with each other and we could have it right there and 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 yeah it, it was so normal we could share tears and we could share anger and we could share honesty and and it was yeah so life is beautiful in the pm world <laughs> and it's not always easy and it's not always <laughs> laughter and celebration but it is so real and it's so uh, yeah i have a lot of joy for it we should let people know that mm-hmm. the part of the world that you're talking about is the northern part golden bay of the south island of new zealand in this area called takaka and, and Motueka, I think. And Motueka. Yeah. Well, well, it's not only Takaka and Golden Bay, it's the other side of the hill as well. It's Motueka and spreading to Nelson. And yes. yeah, it's, it's, as I said, it makes <laughs> his elbows, you know, get out of here. <laughs> you like going yeah, up okay, go. You want to go to an adventure and visit an archaeological seed that's growing like this, please go visit. 
They're, they are great. They're wonderful with visitors. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks for Yes, sharing. and there's always room. We just I just welcomed Michael Pertner yesterday very spontaneously here and yes, we always find a bed. We always find a space whoever wants to come. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so thank you. It's me. Yeah. And I, I just so appreciate that this these meetings are recorded, even though I can't be here. They they you are with me when I'm cooking, you are with me when I'm <laughs> when I'm when the space is there in the garden. So yes, you <laughs> it is it is a treasure. Thank you thank for you. checking in and telling us Good what's night. happening in that corner of the world. Thank you. Dorothea, where are you? Mexico. Where? Uh, Right now I'm in Tuxtla, which is one hour from San Cristobal. With palms and chickens and dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Do you need anything right now? Did you want to share anything right now or need anything? Mm. I don't know what the what the topic from you was. I just can share that um, the last time when I was in the study group, we had this conversation that you Clinton said um, I should make my experiments with a with a partner, uh, with 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 a man, and um, then also. Uh, Jeff and Edna have been supporting me, and Dimitra was supporting me with a with a man. I was trying to use man making because he was not at all from possibility management. I had no distinctions at all, and there was a very physical attraction. Like it was really weird. I never had that before, and to the same time, I had the story like this cannot work because. How can we communicate? How can we energetically be really together and understand each other? And everything was so, I mean, we have been really, really, really in in two different worlds. And just had this strong connection that kept us together, but was not, it was not strong enough to make a living together in a, in a, um, let's say, in a, in a consistent, in a partnership way. And it, it started at the first evening that I said, um, look, I, I stopped this here because this cannot work. And then my, my, my um, Kremlin Zero uh, 3 cell, I, I brought that in and said, what was going on that this ended so weird and whatever, and they gave me feedback, and then Jeff suggested this man-making. And if he did not suggesting that, the conversation would have been over forever, so nothing would happen. And um, I created six wonderful weeks with this man, but he's in New York and I'm in Mexico now, and we just have the conversation medium of, of calls or Zoom. And it is almost impossible because the the level where we really have our strong connection is not is, is not happening right now. And so what we are doing is keeping connection in a way that is not satisfying me, maybe to see him again. But what I discovered is 
there is a lot possible. He was surprising me when we have been physically together almost every day. We was reading the Beyond Repair article together. And at one point, he really started <laughs> to say, Dorothea, what are you feeling? There is uh, anger, fear, sadness, and joy. <laughs> <laughs> and so he really used, he, he's smart. He used, he used that tools and, and could really catch me with that. And the sad thing is right now, only with media not having a strong intellectual or uh, communication level, that doesn't work. And I can keep you informed how it works when we might meet again, but the discovery of what is possible by acting to a potential, speaking to a potential, and um, not... Um, make um, evaluation about assumptions mm -hmm. or about stories from the past that made like a, a really magic possible. And I celebrate that. Also, sadness and, 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 and uh, anger and all things will be alive. But, but this being together with the potential and creating something new, that, that was really amazing. Wow. Thank, Thank you, you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you for your experiment. Mm -hmm. It's funny because before you came on, and Chloe mentioned the same experiment about you know showing up in this space with a partner to do experiments with. So ah, it, okay. Anything from anybody else right now? Yes. Go ahead. Something is in the background. I want to bring it to the foreground in case it's useful. Cavitating space. I think a mother can cavitate a space for their child, irregardless of everything outside. And so knowing what space you want to cavitate is a possibility of then cavitating that space. And your child will do what your child will do, but you will give them the most chance. I also had an experiment that I did this week. I've actually been doing for months and I ran into mm, not being ready for what happened. So I'm shifting gears from the cavitating space because I'm realizing I was not cavitating my own space and that that's how everything fell apart. I was at a dance that I go to on a regular basis, like twice a week. And there is a person there, a woman there who I have been, I don't know that flirting on the dance floor is the right term, but offering to dance with. And we've had a few brief dances. And after the dance was over, I was putting my shoes on to go outside and leave. And this woman walks by and then she turns around and is walking back out. And I say, hi, and she doesn't say a word. She sort of looks and then walks out. And that threw me a little bit. And I walk outside. There's nobody else outside. And usually there's a bunch of dancers hanging out after the dance. And she's there. And I walk outside and I'm just like froze, I guess would be a good term. I, I had no concept of what to do next. Because one of the things I work at doing is not doing the patriarchal thing of like, oh, 
there she is. I'm going to go get her. So it wasn't until later I realized that she was, in fact, had come in to check on me and was waiting for me and that she wanted to be outside where we could speak. And I missed that opportunity. And now what I'm left with is, oh, I guess now I need to go and ask for a do-over. And I have a perspective that this person actually is tuning into me. I mean, literally, she walks across the street, takes a left and walks across the other street and stares at a tree for like a minute. Sort of like, if you want to talk, I'm still here. And then and then she left. And then I went to my car and drove home and it was like, ugh. And being with all the stuff of like, you talked about a door. Well, sometimes you could be right at the door and you don't open it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I experienced. But I also experienced everything else. It's like, wow, I've still got a lot of stuff going on. So I've been doing a lot of clearing house, getting rid of old memories that keep looping up from 10, 20, 30 years ago. So, but yeah, that all happened and it was real. And it's interesting how confusing it can be. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Mm-hmm. You're going to say something? No. What I wanted to say about that is I think each of us has memories or has uh, understands what you're talking about. <laughs> and one of the things that I love about possibility teams or three cells or kind of the dojo, you know, emotional healing process, dojo, EHP dojos. It's like these spaces are specifically designed to in an ultra safe environment make a lot of mistakes and beep shift go beep shift go beep shift go beep shift go and it's like in that environment it's it's not a dance space because the dance space has a cavitated like you said cavitated set of rules of engagement and they don't include actual authentic human connection interaction it, it's a it's a um, fabricated environment. And so how how can we learn outside of the bar, outside of the dance space, outside of you know how where do we learn radical relating? Where do we learn presence and connection? Where do, you know where do we learn these things? Well, not in the dance floor, you know, not in the bar. You learn it somewhere else. And so that's what I love about these teams coming together for the purpose of learning extraordinary skills that are not available in the, in the environments where they might seem to be needed. You know, it's like, so I encourage people to try, you know, set up practice spaces for yourself. I, I kind of do that ongoing. I just kind of set up practice space, try stuff. And Chloe, we do this all the time. We're really on almost every I mean, not not the study group, but almost every other space that we go into, it's like, what what should I do? Like, how do I can give me some I want to let me practice this with you, you know, to, you know, how do I bring this context? How do I bring in this distinction? How do I bring in this possibility? How do I, you know, like that? And so how do I even talk to one person? Yeah, it's not necessarily a big space. but Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, what am I going to say to this person like that? So we're really, so I really hope people get that is that I want to go. Yeah, I want to add something. I mean, today I was doing a, it was an EHP and it was sort of a coaching and it ended up being this conversation where I just was being this yes to this person's idea. They had, she had all these ideas and all these impulses and all these wishes and all these, and yes, there were things that were blocking her in fears. And, but what, what she was missing was somebody that she would have this idea. And I would say, yes, <laughs> like, yes, go like, yes. And this, and yes, impossibility. And yes, you could try this. And I noticed it's like, I get to have that almost on an ongoing basis with Clinton. I get an idea. I knock on the door. What about this? Yes. You know, and of course it, it shows up in all different, you know, it's not like the yes uh, word, but it shows up in all, you know, different answers. But I, I, I noticed, God, I would, I would not be so in a way arrogant about my own impulses without having had that nourishment for years now. And so I, I, and I offered to this woman, I said, look, I'm your yes. So you call me, you know, call me 10 minutes. If you have any doubts, if you have, and I, and I'll be a yes. And I'll, and I'll offer possibility. There's a, sometimes in labs, laboratories, we do a sword work with these boken, you know, these big wooden swords, you know, and you're holding this sword in your hand. And one of the exercises that we do is you have two people, two rows of people, each holding a, a sword at each other's throats across from each other. And and one row, you know, one person in each relationship puts the sword down, takes two steps and turns around and is now facing the enemy of the person that was their enemy. Facing the enemy of the person that was their enemy, standing next to them with the sword facing the same way and saying, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And you, and you need to give an answer. It's like, what can you do for me? So I was in this with this. I was doing the exercise with this guy. And he says, what can I do for you? And I say, every 10 minutes for the rest of the training, five-day training, every 10 minutes for the next, the next training, say, you're amazing. Clinton, you're amazing. Is that it? Is that oh, you're a genius. Oh, you're a genius. Yeah, Clinton, you're a genius. Because my box always had this thing like you're an idiot. You know, so he, so really he did it for the next three days. He was every 10 minutes, he was shouting, Clinton, you're a genius. And, and it, it was such a difference for me. So these are the kinds of things you can actually arrange for yourself in reality, not in a fantasy world, not in a hidden out place, but really in public. And people, people don't care. I mean, people, they won't arrest you and they already think you're weird. So you don't have to worry about making people think you're weird or something because they already know you're weird. But it's so fun to add these dimensions into our daily life. And it adds just these fabulous possibilities, not only for yourself, but people will remember that they saw something and they'll remember like as a possibility for themselves. It cracks a hole in the ordinary, cracks a hole in the status quo. It opens up these places where new new movement can happen. It's like, yeah. Would you say that's a way of writing over a meme? Can you say it again? Would you say that's a way of writing over a meme? I don't like, recommend writing it? over memes. Mm -hmm. Do not recommend writing over memes. I'm not sure where you're getting that idea. 
but it is definitely not recommended because what you're setting up is a you're setting up a meme war inside of yourself. A good, bad, right, wrong, power game meme war inside of yourself. It's just I don't recommend it. And what what I recommend instead is a kind of more meditation about memes and just sitting with the memes when when the memes when the new meme comes in and and let it it's like you you let it dissolve you you let it dissolve the whole thing it's a it's like a chemical meltdown when a new meme comes in if you're lucky the new meme comes in and goes and it's over in 3 seconds and you have the new meme it just replaces it but if there's if there's a resistance there's something else behind it there's a it's a belief like you might have a belief with the old meme you might have made a vow to hold on to this old meme it could even be a vow in a past life there's a great website called past life vow it's important to to recognize that you you could take on a belief or a commitment or a vow in a past life it's still uh, defining your life today and that that would be if so if you notice there's a new meme but the old meme doesn't just dissolve there's some there's an issue going on and it's it's not about taking the two memes and having them fight each other it's take the old meme into a process and inspect it it's about inspecting it it's not like the old meme is bad or or wrong or stupid the old meme was crucial for you at some point and you you need to go to to that point you need to go to the place where that meme got an anchor in you at, for some really good reason and and then go there. And it's usually about feeling it. You know, you really have to go through the, the feelings and emotions of what was happening when you installed the old meme. And it's, it can be like, you know, my dad had that meme and he's dead. And so if I change the meme, I don't have my dad anymore. You know, it's stuff like that. What were you going to say? It could be a, 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 a TV hero. Oh. Uh, you know, a, a, like a, you know, a, one of your heroes on an old TV show had this behavior pattern, you know, had this orientation. You go, well, okay, I'm going to take this on. And then you forget that it came from a TV show until you go back and follow the old meme back to where it came from and go, oh, geez, ah, it was Jennifer Garner. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> You know, something like that. Some somebody that you got from a TV show and go, that's that's not mine. That's not real. You know, it doesn't really apply to me, but I've been surfing with it. I've been using it as a surfboard. I'm getting a new surfboard. You know, but you have to go back to the place where you got it. So you get the difference, Lisa Maria? Yes. Does that apply to your situation? Yes. I think so. In what way? The the meme is that I am stupid, and I found this the other day when I was um, in the Possibility Women's Team with Anne Chloe, and I'm I'm noticing that it, it's not going away. So, so I'll take it to a process. Yes, there's a couple, two or three processes in there. All right, processes yeah. have levels, so don't just think it's handled in the first level there's a couple three pro- it feels to me it, it smells like there's a couple levels in that one mm-hmm. what were you say no i will i'm withdrawing it from the script okay yeah yeah thank you but yeah definitely do not set up a meme war 
you know, this is right. I want this. No, this really, you are stupid. Yeah, no, I'm not stupid. Look, there's evidence. No, really, you're mm-hmm. stupid. You're like, this is bad way to go. It doesn't really work. I can tell you, I, I tried that one. It also might be a voice. Which is probably Just for exploration. Yeah, but it could have a, you have to find the origin. It doesn't feel mean like, it feels voice like. Okay. In any case. I mean, <laughs> that was a good look on your face. I'm glad we have video, you know, because I, I couldn't do that look. It's really good. Something from somebody else right now. Anything else right now? Yes. I I was touched when you said about this being this being a yes and Chloe. Um that that nourishment. Uh and I, I feel sad about about the nourishment of the seed. And yesterday in the Rage Club, I, I was holding, uh, in the end, I was opening this feedback space uh, for, for receive what worked and did not work. And most of people um, in this space brought goals for me and Maria. And and I, I, I it was one beep from one of the participants and I wrote down this beep. And then Maria asked what's happening to you and I, I I felt sad of noticing that I I just wrote down the pip and the goals uh don't go in. Um and and so it's like I'm blocking the yes of people. This was the cross on the map that I got yesterday that I I'm blocking the yes of the people that is are on my space. Got and me. I feel sad about that. Why do you do uh, that? Just tell me why you do it. Uh, the first thing that come right now is to to I I feel scared of being I I feel scared of of letting in and being in the prison. Like I associate there go as as a praise or as my parents used to do, like their goals was always this about them. Uh, this praise is what's coming right now. I, I never saw it this way, but it it was about something that I did. Um, yeah, and my that's why I asked had, you. That's why I asked you right now, because you were at a door, mm-hmm. and you could give me an answer that you did not have before because you were at that door. So I used the, that moment to ask you why, and you could answer. And now you have an, a, an amazing rage work and a boundary, you know, that I can hear appreciation and praise and not be manipulated. You know, it's I am not in a prison from any. I I I can receive praise and appreciation and love and goes without being manipulated. It's huge boundary. Mm-hmm. Just stick work. It's really, you're yeah. going to destroy this thing. And I just want, I went through this process just a couple of days ago with the, the woman of earth. And it was like, I was getting all these ghosts from Jacqueline. And I, at the end I was like, damn right. I'm this, but, and it, and it came this authentic, like, Yes, I am that radiant. You know, yes, I am holding space for this. Yes. And, but it, it, so, and it was this rage. I needed this rage to, to hold space for myself, yeah. to be able to let it in. 
Yeah, it's beautiful rage work yeah. time. Yay. Yes. Let us know, okay? Yes, thank you. Uh, uh, thank you for answering the questions. You know, thank you for going there, taking the risk. Mm -hmm. Annie Hobson, we haven't seen you for so long, <laughs> so long, and you're tan. I can't believe it. Blonde hair and tan now. What's the deal? <laughs> you got to talk to us. And you you're have to muted. unmute yourself in order to talk to us, though. I, I, yes, that wouldn't help. I'm, uh, I, I've, uh, spent some time in Florida, uh, with my mother. My mother is 93 years old and, uh, I was the one who really pushed everybody that, yes, she has dementia and no, she cannot stay by herself. And that's been a very a trying thing. But now she's in an assisted living. And I have my life back. Wow. So right now I'm in uh, West Virginia in the United States in the mountains. And I'm uh, working together for uh, putting together a, uh, a health coaching business. I've gotten very much into uh, uh, neurological health and also uh, a mito, um, mitochondrial yeah. <laughs> metabolic health especially in the mitochondria the little units because uh i i went to the the uh, metabolic health symposium and found out the 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 new stuff and i'm very excited about how uh the um there's uh, yeah there's new research uh and uh and doctors who go there who have started and gotten you know, new research that has just funded for uh, uh, ketone therapy for uh, people who have uh, 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 mental health, which is they because uh, ketone therapy was uh, was made for uh, people who had um, seizures, and seizures. Those uh, therapies have been used for all of the people, you know, like the schizophrenics, you know, people with schizophrenia, people with bipolar, people with the uh, depression, all all have been using uh, these those same medica uh, medications. But now they're tuning into, hey, uh, you know, ketone therapy is good for for these people too. Can you send links, Annie, on the on the group, we in the study group? Just send us some links to some websites and articles and stuff, okay? Because I think it's relevant. People have parents and people have stuff going on. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm just even more excited about this because I've had that low-level depression for decades. And and now that I'm actually measuring the ketones, I can see the the difference in my uh, mood stability and and the ketone stability. And just remembering back when, when I had like the, the sudden spikes and I would get, and, you know, just have had these reactions. So I'm, uh, I'm still a wild fit coach. I'm just now, I'm in my little, uh, you know, little blue outfit I, with my hair all combed. Uh, I'm making a uh, video. I have to, and, and torturing myself about it. Yes. <laughs> That kind of torture builds really good matrix. And it builds really good matrix. Perfect. And speaking of y'all, yes. 
And I was so happy that Demetra uh, messaged me about this because I want to figure out how I can get these dieters to want to do emotional healing processes because that was where I had it, had this. I, I got out of the habit of using the food to stuff my emotions. And then what happened was when I didn't stuff it, then the emotions come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't know where to, what to do with that. It took me a long time. And you saw what a, you know, huge mess I was. I was like in the middle of this volcano exploding <laughs> and realizing, oh man, how much fear. I mean, I was numb to 98% mm-hmm. fear and I thought that I just couldn't feel fear. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. it took being alone <laughs> in my, my uh, kid's house in Baltimore when there was a riot where I got to above 98, I got to feel that 2%. Oh. I started screaming and yeah. then and then went numb. And then I calmed myself up and then started screaming again and then went numb. Like that was what happened. And Chloe, that was just before you had your first fear club. Mm. That's that's how I knew this is this was absolutely the thing to do. That was mm-hmm. exactly where the numbness bar was, right there. You were going above it and below it, just like we say on the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. yeah. Please keep sharing this stuff with people. Like, for example, we have a new book out called Four Feelings, and it's just very simple stuff. It's from yeah. Valerie Langford. We put a couple of her articles in and framed it in a forward in and afterward, but it's got the core stuff in there. It's simple, clear, you know, and it's only, I don't know, 100 pages, 100 something pages. It's, it's, it, get this information out to people because it's so revolutionary. You know, it's, and it goes, yes, yes. And it, you can't do it just with articles. You can't do it just with psychology. You know, you really need to work in five bodies and the, the emotional body is part of the bodies. And so it's really a missing piece of information in medical, in the whole medical thing. And then they're seeing that the emotional and mental bodies are are connected to the actual physical body. So there's that piece that they're they're seeing, but I don't know if they have like the emotional expressions. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm ankle bone, the ankle bones connected to the knee bone, and the knee bones connected to the hip bone. Praise (laughs) be the Lord. You know, this information has been around a long time. So (laughs) you have to just wake up about how there all these bodies are connected. Yes, so I was looking at the at, at the calendar and uh, seeing that you have another like three week uh, thing uh, going on in Europe. Poland, in, is it? It's in Poland, yeah. In August, check me yeah. out. That is exactly the kind of thing I would never have thought that I would remember. Yeah, and I so my brain's like skip, 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 restarting in in a bunch of ways and. Uh, and my whole nervous system is learning how uh, to uh, calm down. And I I did all those emotional healing processes uh, with my mother, uh, I think it was two years ago now, and my relationship with everybody has shifted. Yeah. And I have a, yeah, I have a brand new relationship with my older brother wow. and, uh, and his whole family. Yeah. So there's, Really nice things happening. I've been busy. I haven't been forgetting y'all. <laughs> <laughs> what about the ducks? The ducks in a row? No, she, it was, was it, it was Ray. Okay, it was sorry. Ray. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. 
Somebody else. It feels like a success call. Yes. This is sort of really great. I would like to. I'm interested in holding space for an EHP dojo. Yes, because and Elizabeth was the originator of AHP Dojo. Oh, yes. Because, yes, you know, because I remember, yeah. The, yeah. like, it's three years ago, and Elizabeth, that she started in her mother's house, and she was the one who did it first. And now it's such a big success. <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah. For people who don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Emotional fitness, whether you think you need it or not. Yeah. No, but Annie, tell people about the ketone stuff in the EHP dojos, you know, because half the people need that stuff. And, you know, there's so many imbalances happening in the diet and stress and cities and jobs and and the capitalist patriarchal empire and government. It's a people are going to have to vote for Donald Trump, if you can believe it, in America. That would drive people off the wall in terms of their ketones. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so to keep in, you know, run people through processes and also give them all, you know, the other kids that you have. It's so important. Okay. Right. Guy, I've written down I my, my notes, like telling them, telling these new people, like, uh, that I, I went away and I, I learned how to do feelings work and talking about how, uh, yeah, maybe I should. You know, have that be part of that. Do you, uh, uh, yeah, do you, do you stuff your feelings with food the way I used to? That would be a thing. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here waiting to see who else is going to pop up on the, on the screen from long past who haven't been here for a while. They come up whole new way of being. You know, really a whole balanced, centered, grounded, speaking clearly, offering possibilities. It's really a joy. So thank you for coming in. Thank you for that feedback. <laughs> you used to give me such harsh feedback. <laughs> I did? Yes. <laughs> Look at you now. <laughs> like, see, it worked. <laughs> All day. I do appreciate that, but it was harsh. <laughs> <laughs> Get away from me! You're boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my! Okay, I, well, I was a little wallowy at that time, but you know. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you later. I'm going to go. Uh, Demetra convinced me to pop in. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Good luck for your video. See you. Can everybody please take a deep breath? <laughs> Me included. Demetra, you've been cooking up some things. Very nice things. <laughs> uh, okay. Should I read another sentence from I the... think we shall. All right. We're going to the book. It's called a, a chapter. It's a beginning of chapter nine called A Short Course on Archetypal Man and Archetypal Woman. And the first sentence is, probably most of the men and women you've ever met 
demonstrated only ordinary human behaviors. Therefore, you could see what they saw. If you copied them, you know, you imitated them as your role model, you could listen to what they heard and you could understand the kinds of things that they thought about, that they could understand. If you were lucky, perhaps you encountered a few people here and there. And I put in parentheses, even a character in a book can have that kind of influence. You know, it's like even as somebody that you read about in a story, if you're lucky, you know, they, you encountered a few people here and there who saw things very differently from you. Perhaps a teacher who listened to an in an extraordinary human way, or a boss who took responsibility from a perspective that seemed most unusually extraordinary. Once or twice in your life, you may have come face to face with archetypal man or archetypal woman, someone who interacted with the world in ways you never dreamed of, or maybe you dreamed of but never saw before. In other cultures or other times, encountering living, breathing archetypal role models was far more common. And it's easy to explain why. And part of it is that media these days is designed for the masses, which in the, the bigger population, you know, a phone can reach millions of people, you know, a simple video, whereas you know, in the good old days, the bad old days, you know, if you're going to stand in an amphitheater, you have at most a couple hundred people in the Greek amphitheater that you can talk to at the same time. That's it. And how often, you know, how often would that happen? Only once a month or once, twice a year or something. So what I'm, the, the media is designed for the masses, which is dumbed down. So much is dumbed down in terms of eloquence, precision, distinctions, possibilities, clarity, fierceness. You know, it really, the uh, the level it can touch you. You know, so much just aggressive violence and murder and explosions, you know, and really psychotic uh, images being trans transmitted through videos and films and things these days. You know, you really need to protect yourself from most media that's out there. And I'm serious about that. It's really you need to protect yourself because so dumbed down and violent and aggressive. And you just like, like she was saying, you just have to bring your numbness bar up to the 98% level just to watch a movie, you know? And then you just go out in your world with your numbness bar up at 98% level and you go, you know, life is like that. So it's also subliminal. I think that's important. Do you want to say something about that? It It is designed to tweak you in ways that you're not conscious of. They'll show, a sexy, they'll show a sexy image. What the heck does that have to do with the product? Nothing. But it excites your brain cells and creates chemicals in your body so you have a physical response to it. Yeah, they so, give a catchy tune that they'll sing forever and ever. We'd like to sing, the world to sing. And Coca-Cola just, right? And it's like, it's subversive. It's subliminal. It It is designed to overwhelm your defenses. Or un, It's like, since you're not aware of it, the liminal means awareness. If you're <laughs> less than your awareness, you can't 
really protect yourself against it. I mean, I've told this story before, but there's this time when we thought in America that we thought that every time we went into Walmart, we had more things in our basket than we than we had on our list. We came out of Walmart, which is a department store. Was we have. Yes. So in my family. So I it was my my daughters noticed it that we came out into the car and we go, our list only had these things and we have two times as much stuff in our car. So we decided to do this experiment, which was we had on our list, we had three items like masking tape, you know, paper towels. I don't know. It was three things like this, really basic stuff. And we were going, we went into Mar- Walmart as a market, my two daughters and myself, and we held our arms together and, and, we, we just started to sing this song because we all knew this song together called Nobody Likes Me, Everybody Hates Me, Wish I Had Some Worms, Long Slim Slimy Ones, Short Fat Juicy Ones, Itsy Bitsy Fuzzy Wuzzy Worms. So we had this song. We just started singing this song. We we're holding on the thing. We had the three things on our list and we're about 20 steps into the show, into the store because we thought they had in subliminal um, programming in their music system in the market that said, you know, buy this, look at the, you might need some of these, like all this kind of stuff. And, and within 20 steps, I was already reaching for something else. And if my daughters were not holding on to me going, dad, dad, wake up. You know, if they weren't doing that, I would have, I would have missed it. I stopped singing the song and I was, I need some of dad. You know, it was really useful. So you might have to, do this kind of stuff, but the I think Mark, what Mark is saying is really, really true in terms of that. I would have loved to seen a video of that. <laughs> It'd be embarrassing. Get your daughters and do a reenactment. Yeah, I can. <laughs> so the thing is, once or twice in your life, you might have come face to face with archetypal men or archetypal women, somebody who interacted with the world in ways you never dreamed of. And because you, you could not dream of them there, you know, right, right now we're not allowed to dream of those ways because the programming is just, this is what is real. All this stuff is what is real in other cultures or other times encounter. And I want one of the memes that I'm encountering about working with people of this this thing of what's what is the culture that you hold space what is the culture you cavitate space for like you were saying mark and and to come across these memes of to have my own culture is is wrong is dangerous i will die i will be put in jail i will the police will come the men in uniform will come and arrest me they think i'm crazy yeah so it's not just uh, only this is real but this is impossible Mm -hmm. like something else is really um off limit it's called self-authorizing like most of the time we want to be authorized by an authority we want to have a license or a certificate or to follow a rule or have permission etc that we're under the auspices of an external authority and what we're talking about in terms of cavitating a context for your own culture is self-authorizing authorize it yourself and and you, you know you can imagine burglars or terrorists or you know, psychopaths or you know uh, these aberrated psychologies self-authorizing really horrible stuff 
And so then there's this fear, like, well, if I get, if I cut loose, if I take radical responsibility for the culture that I self-authorize, it's going to be bad. You know, that's our fear. But in fact, when, as in terms of possibility management, uh, we distinguish between gremlin and yourself. And we, we initialize, we initiate gremlin to be at your side as a tool rather than as a survival strategy. And on and on and on, like every single initiation has this aspect of being able to be more responsible than you were before. So after it doesn't take so long before you're able to self-authorize extraordinary. And after that, you can enter adulthood and then and go to archetypal. You can self-authorize archetypal spaces. And people are starving for this. The world is starving for this. So even if you go in a cafe and you self-authorize an archetypal space or extraordinary or archetypal conversation space at your table, and you know, you eliminate alcohol and you eliminate whatever cigarettes or whatever, you eliminate that and hold this space, it will it's palpable. People can sense it in the space. And they will they will notice it that there's a different kind of space at that table. And I just I want to tell this story again, like and Chloe and I one time in Spain went to a cafe where the table had they had closed off the street. So the table was actually out on the street. And so we'd never been there before, never seen this place before. We were hungry and thirsty. And we sat down at the table and we ordered some bubbly water. And we're, hold, we're just in this space. We're in the space out in the street. There's not so many people, but we're in this space out of the street. And the waitress, who's this middle-aged, round kind of Spanish lady, comes out and, and she has a different posture. And she brings this bottle of sparkling water and she starts singing to us. She's just singing to the space as she's pouring the water into our glasses. And so we, we, it perfectly fit with the space that we were holding. It was a perfect accompaniment to the way we were being together, the space we were in, the, the, the conversation we were having, our intention, our purpose, our attention. And then after we had an, an excellent, extraordinary time at, at the cafe, we're going in to pay. And that lady was behind the counter and I was able to ask her, I said, you came and you sang at our table. And, and well, you poured the water. And she said, yes. And I said, do you do that to all your customers? She said, I never did it before in my life. And so it was like, okay, this is the kind of thing that is really longed for and possible without much effort. It does not take so much effort to self-authorize, to cavitate a context and a set of uh, distinctions and a space in which the archetypal can show up. And it will show up because we're designed for this. Human beings are designed for this kind of stuff. And it's it's amazing uh, what potentials we have, that we walk around every day in our lives and the potential is there. And then it goes by unnoticed. It slips. It slips away with time. You know, with a, as tick as seconds go by, these opportunities go by, and if you don't go through the door, door is gone. And so, it's so important to understand that we are designed to be able to enter and negotiate, navigate, create and navigate extraordinary and archetypal intimacies and spaces of intimacy and communication and connection and possibility together. We're designed for this. 
And it's, if you don't understand that, you won't try it. But if you understand it, then there is pain involved because of how many times you've missed that or how many times you try and it doesn't work or how many times you look over there and go, what the, why is that guy looking at his phone instead of into her eyes? What is going on over there? Like it's really, it's a kind of a painful awareness that goes along with seeing potential. You also see the lack, the loss of potential. You see potential as it fades away when you can see potential, you also see potential fading away. So it's a, it's a, there's a burden part of it, but it's just mad, sad, glad, and scared, you know, and you can do processes with it. You just look at your partner and go, I feel so angry. I feel so sad, you know, et cetera. And it's part of the holding the space is to stay in the space. You communicate the feelings of it. Anything about that right now? Something that I want to share that happened the other day. I was at Sprouts, this grocery store, and I was there late at night checking out. I went in there to just grab one thing and I was at the register and I, we just said, how are you? We went into that for a moment and I was actually just kind of in my, in my own head. And I asked her how she was, I guess she said, good. I didn't even fully receive it because I was in my head. And then she goes, she said, good. And then there was probably like a 10 second pause. And then she just said, actually, I'm, I'm not good. I'm scared. I just got off the phone with my mom and she just like started with no prompt. Like I wasn't even really with her. And as soon as it, I, as soon as she went there, I like realized, you know, what was happening and that she was opening and sharing. And I was like, I've been in fear club and rage club and possibility coaching and reading this book. And I'm like, I think she's just tuned into my space right now. And just, she's, there's, there's something that is giving her permission to just, to just say this. And so I just became really present with her and, and listened to what she had to say. And it was a lot of fear about her mom. Cause she just moved. And then as she was speaking, then she was like, and I'm angry. And then like, she started really getting, you know, present. And I was just like, yes, like I, like I, I hear that. And I was, you know, just doing completion loops. There's even this line like forming in this. <laughs> I just did it. I was just, we were just there having this moment. And I, it was just very special. It was very special to me. And what you're talking about with the waitress made me think of that. And I haven't shared that experience out loud yet so mom thank you thank you <laughs> yes phyllis you turned your picture back on were you going to say something okay all right well i'll, I'll go for another sentence here So in other cultures, other times, I read this before, encountering living, breathing, archetypal role models was far more common than it is today. We explained about the whole media thing and that dumbing down, but not for us. We are disadvantaged in the modern culture by having a lack of archetypal role models to imitate, living, actually living archetypal models to, to imitate. You, you know, if you look at, 
there are some archetypal moments captured in certain Marvel movies or things like that, where these archetypal characters show up. But if you meet any of those actors in their real life, you know, they don't have that. They do not have that. They're, they're models. You know, they are muscle men. You know, they, they can repeat a line and they can follow instructions, you know, from a director for, and hold it for about 10 seconds. And then that's it. It's over. So they're not, they can't, they cannot be that and and from themselves. So in our society, modern culture, people are able to gain decision-making authority in terms of government or business or things like that. They have this authority, decision-making authority, without having to grow up. Such authority, however, is not enough to merit entry into archetypal spaces. So this is why our quote-unquote leadership, the ones at the top of the power hierarchies, uh, do not show up as adults even, or, or hardly even present or civilized or anything. They're just, they, it, that is not enough. Having a power position is not enough to gain entry into archetypal spaces. The human body is hardwired with archetypal structures inside since we're born, ready to be initiated into action, into the archetypal domains when we are about 18 years old. If you're homeschooled or something, it can be earlier than that, it can be even 16 sometimes. But uh, it, it's really about 18 years old. And then we have this inner, ready to be initiated into that, it is only, but that is only the beginning of our troubles that we have no guides or no role models to follow and no map for the waking up processes, the initiatory processes, because initiation is further complicated by the fact that our nervous system was most optimal for transitioning into archetypal awareness and responsibilities in our mid-teens. So if you get to be 20, 30, 40 years old, and you're trying to do these archetypal initiatory processes, it's it's so different to have some, an 18, 19, 21-year-old in the expand the box training or labs and watch them flip. You know, they just go, the thing wires around, they're out on the road and it just takes, it's so incredible. And it's pretty rare still that the young people show up in those spaces. But below 18, they're still living at their parents' house for survival. You know, they're still trapped in the parents' mm, world etc. still going to school, still in the school world. So they're not free enough to actually let that go and show up in the archetypal spaces and the initiations. And so it's, it's, but when it happens, it's really incredible. So initiation is complicated. Yeah. But our nervous system is optimal for transitioning when we're around 18. And most of us are significantly past our uh, best if used by date you know, the sell-by date. Nevertheless, the archetypal structures wait within us and are still ready for initiatory processes, stellating all these kind of processes. They're just in there waiting for us and they're not going to go away. So this chapter presents characteristic qualities of the archetypal masculine and archetypal feminine. If at first archetypal characteristics seem difficult to understand, this merely indicates the size of the gap between the human and archetypal domains, the ordinary and the archetypal, there's a gap. 
so that you're seeing the gap if it's hard to understand. Considerable experimenting may be needed on your part before these ideas, you know, the distinctions, begin making sense in your everyday experience. In the meantime, frequent discussions of this chapter would be well worth the effort. You know, to take this home, read it over, it's chapter nine, especially with other women and men gathered for the purpose of strengthening relationship skills and building women's and men's culture. So I'm going to leave it like that before we start section 9A. The title is From Pain to Rocket Fuel. From Pain to Rocket Fuel, that one. That's where we're going to go next week. We're on next week, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Would anybody like to share anything before we wrap it up? Would anybody like to share anything? I just want to share that I um, take a stand for young People in Germany, there is a funding called Action Human, which is for um, disabled people or for children, teenager, young people, or for um, people who are in social um, challenges and difficulties. And I'm thinking um, about creating a team to bring possibility management, expand the box to this kind of people and also combine it with art, because there is a, a thing of uh, how can we train these people, and at the same time, these people are not the one who share about what is going on. So this would be the art part in that to, to make this information public. And I will search for a team in Germany, because I'm not there to make the possibility management parts, but we have so many people in Germany who can do that. Um, so this is one part, and another part, which is more difficult, would be to bring um, women from women houses into possibility management so that they can take a stand for themselves to, to not be in this victimhood, but really make, make the shift, and also to go to male prisons who harmed women. And that is very dangerous, and I don't know if we can do it one day, but this is my vision, to, to train them both separately in women's circles, in men's circles, and then make um, a meeting of these harmed women. And this, we have to see how these men are. So can we bring them together, the victims and the persecutors from the past in a here and now, in, a, in, in shifted boxes and yeah to sure. my, my hope is that there can be healing happening yeah. yeah thank you there's a I would just suggest like with regards to the the young people in the women is if you approach the actual space holders for those uh, centers if you actually approach the space holders and work with empowering them with these distinctions and tools, then you're leveraging yourself. You know, you, you get more power to leverage somebody who's going to work with a hundred clients than trying to work with the clients yourself. So you'll be working, you know, try to do that is to try to have meetings and training spaces and practice sessions with the space holders. Yes. Great. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
Thank you, Dorothea. Yeah. Thank you, Gabriella, for posting that link. I have a 16-year-old niece, and this has been on my mind a lot of just how can I support her in her adult initiations. And I have had the thought of her attending Expand the Box when she's 18, 19, or 20, and and I'm joyful at the, this topic being just started and I want to know more about it and more possibilities of how I can support her. Yes. For Gabriella. And, <laughs> no. and um, yeah, this website, and this from this website, it's starting to a seed of a book that I'm writing about that. Um, and is yeah, it's, it's to put it out that that this is a possibility that already exists. And and I'm so grateful that I, I, I could experience that with 19, like that this was possible for me to, to do that. And I want to be a doorway to another young people to to have that possibility available. So this website has has some distinctions and and my personal some personal sharings from my my journey. And I'm also holding a um um online space. I there is the flyer in this website. Uh until now there is one woman in the group. Uh we had one call. Uh and yeah, so you possibilities for you to send her uh the the link and my contact also i'm available to reach out and i'm starting to move on like next week will be a first event i will hold that is learning tricks to relate uh here in auckland in new zealand um and this is only moving on so i'm to reach out thank you for sharing thank you all for being here thank you for doing your work See you all. Next Have a great week. You. I'm glad to see you again. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.